You're listening to the Magnum version of the Savage Lovecast. www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. There are lots of shitty people out there in shitty places working to make those shitty places even shittier. Debbie Riddle is one of them. She is a Texas state representative and she like state legislators in Florida and Georgia and Ohio is pushing a trans toilet bill, a bill that would force trans people to use the bathroom that corresponds with the gender that they were assigned at birth, their pre-transition gender, right? So it would force trans men to use ladies restrooms and it would force trans women to use men's restrooms. And if they broke the law by peeing in the bathroom that they should pee in, men in the men's room, women in the women's room, they could go to prison. And Debbie Riddle wants to make this happen to make people who are other people in the bathroom, the cis people, the non-trans people, to make sure that they're safe in the bathroom because because trans people are not attacking anyone in toilets. This is not a thing that actually happens. People do get attacked in toilets. Women get attacked in toilets. You can Google rape, sexual assault, public restroom, and a lot of stuff pops up. And none of it has anything to do with trans people, not trans women attacking cis women in public restrooms. It is men, cis men, non-trans men attacking women in restrooms. If you want to make public restrooms safe for women, it should be illegal perhaps for non-trans men to use public toilets. Anyway, Debbie Riddle is one of the people pushing these bills. I wrote about her a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she's just another one of those right-wing assholes who's hammering away about the supposed threat posed by trans people in public toilets. In reality, which isn't something they get much of in Texas, just like they don't get much rain anymore. In reality, trans men and women are at higher risk, maybe highest risk of violent attack, hate crimes, uh, and at higher risk of murder than just about any other group. Trans women of color at highest risk. Five or six trans women of color have already been murdered this year. And this whole idea that informs these anti-trans toilet bills like Debbie Riddle's in Texas is really the, uh, I call it the blood libel, the anti-trans blood libel. This belief that some or all trans women are actually male rapists trying to worm their way into quote-unquote safe spaces so they can attack actual, quote-unquote, actual women because a male rapist can't just walk into a woman's restroom dressed as a man, can he? This idea that these bills support and inject into the conversation and put into people's heads, this idea results in uh, violent attacks on trans women. We're just trying to use the bathroom. I've been writing about this a bunch at Slog, the stranger's blog, my home paper's blog, and making suggestions like perhaps if trans people can't be trusted to use public restrooms out there in public, they should march into the Florida State Capitol, was one of my recommendations, and occupy all the toilets. Just occupy the restrooms so that they, these trans people can urinate and defecate under the strict supervision of these state legislators who seem so obsessed with when and where and how trans people are going to the bathroom. I also suggested when Debbie Riddle began to push her anti-trans toilet bill in Texas that trans people drop bottles of urine off at her office or find out where she's going that day. 
Where are her public events? Just go up to her and hand her your waste products for safe disposal. Since you can't, as a trans person, be trusted to dispose of your own waste products, maybe you should just give them to Debbie Riddle and she can take them to the bathroom and pour them into the toilet herself. So color me thrilled that Michael Hughes, trans man, trans activist, last week began taking pictures of himself in public restrooms and tweeting them out with, do I look like I belong in the women's facilities? Along with the hashtag Occupotty, O-C-C-U-P-O-T-T-Y. Look it up on Twitter. He is making the point that these bathroom bills that are being pushed all over the country, part of the anti-queer backlash underway in these shitty places where shitty people are working to make shitty places shittier, if put into practice, would force men like him trans men into women's restrooms. And Michael Hughes is a big, butch, bearded guy. And if he walks into a woman's restroom, he's probably going to make the women there uncomfortable. But these laws would require him to use a woman's restroom or risk prison and fines. But this is what they're pushing. These laws, making trans people, trans men and women less safe than they already are. Michael C. Hughes, you should follow him. He's on Twitter. Clearly an activist and a trans man to watch and to follow and to pay attention to. He's at underscore Michael Hughes one on Twitter. You should get online. Hashtags Occupati. Also hashtag we just need to pee. Go look at what he's doing. He's successfully driving. And maybe, you know, maybe what he's doing is a little more polite and a little more realistic than my proposal to hand bottles of urine to Debbie Riddle in Texas Um, is really having an impact. He's getting a lot of coverage and you should jump online and follow Michael C. Hughes and uh, give him your support. He's selling some T-shirts and trying to make this into a campaign uh, that goes national. It's already gone viral in an attempt to push back these dangerous anti-trans toilet bills. So jump on Twitter, follow Michael Hughes, buy a T-shirt retweet. If you're trans, you can participate in this Occupati We Just Need to Pee campaign that Michael created. All right, we're going to go to your calls. Jeffrey Self joins us on the podcast today to field some questions with me, that and tons of other stuff on the Savage Lovecast today. Hi, Dan. I'm a 24-year-old straight female from Sydney, Australia, and my question is in regard to fuck buddies. Recently, I have met and slept with three men from OkCupid. Early in our online conversations, I let these guys know that I only wanted sex and friendship and not a romantic relationship. Each guy I spoke with was super excited about that kind of arrangement and how much they wanted to establish a relationship where whenever they were horny, they could organize to meet up with me. My problem is that I'm confused about why these guys are not approaching me or wanting to come over regularly when I message them and tell them them I want to see them and I'm horny. And also why if they message me asking when they can next do X, Y, and Z to me or message me telling me they're really horny or blah, 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 why the fuck they don't just come over when I've told them that my door is open to them as long as I'm home and in the mood? I have a high libido as in every day I want to have sex. And I understand logistically that this is not going to happen as these guys have their own lives to mine. But I figured having a few guys who wanted to fuck me would mean I would get laid at least a few times a week. And these guys insist that they want to fuck me and engage in sexting with me. The only thing I can think of is that maybe my aggressive or I guess very confident GGG's approach for sex is somehow turning them off. I don't know because that seems like a load of shit to me. If I was receiving messages about how much someone wanted to sleep with me and I was attracted to them, then I would just go and fucking sleep with them. But maybe my confidence is a bit full on and maybe they're not used to coming, used to it coming from a woman. And I do think these guys are attracted to me because of what they've said about how much they've enjoyed the sex. 
and how much it exceeded their expectations. So what the fuck? Other than the possibility that these three guys have a very low sex drive compared to mine and or are all very, very busy, why the fuck are they saying they want to fuck me rather than just coming over and fucking me? I'm in Los Angeles uh, this week recording the podcast from the Nerdist Podcast Studios. And when I do the show in Los Angeles, I always like to drag, cajole, con someone into sitting in with me and fielding the questions with me because it makes the day go faster. Jeffrey Self is a writer and performer. He hosts the podcast because everybody now has a podcast. Everybody. He hosts the podcast This Is Really Important. He created and starred on the Jeffrey and Cole Casserole show on Logo. And he is performing his solo show, Please Respect My Privacy, at Akbar in Silver Lake down here in Los Angeles on Tuesday, March 31st at 8 p.m. If you're in Los Angeles or near Los Angeles, go see his show. Jeffrey, thanks for jumping on the Hi, thanks for having me. So we're going to tag team these calls. Let's do it. We're going we're gonna, to... We're going to make it happen. We are. We're going to give it to him from both ends. Uh-huh. You're getting double the faggot for your money this Absolutely. week. Absolutely. You're yeah. calling in for sex advice from one fag. <laughs> to another. And you're getting two fags. Two fags. So... This woman. I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Well, I get the guy's point of view. These other guys. I mean, I get, you know, she's looking to get fucked as much as possible, right? Um, But, like, I feel like the sexting versus the actual doing of the of the act is so much it's like such a big difference right and so it's like so much easier for for like me for example to sit at home and sex someone as opposed to actually drive all the way over there i don't know where she, she says she's in australia so perth mm-hmm. um and you know perth traffic and uh drive all the way over there and like actually do it it's so much easier to just like sit there and like send dirty things back and forth is this Technology and pornography warping everyone's sex drives. Yeah, if, don't you, you know, think? She's a young woman. She's probably sitting with young women, men, yeah. and they grew up jacking it in front of their devices and their yeah. laptops and now their cell phones. It's so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. The actual act of like going to have sex is you, you could just basically. I mean, you can't have the same experience, but you can you know have sexuality at home all by yourself. You can get off, but it's not quite the same. No, it's not the same. But also, like if you you know if you do that all the time, maybe it, it it's it's better for you when i read the outline of her call because i get the outlines and then i listen to the calls uh-huh. i thought well maybe you're a lousy lay because you fucked all these guys once yeah. and they've never come back but, but also also but they're, though, they're responding to her sex yeah. she fucked them once they're at least interested enough to keep sexting with her they want to have this sexual connection but they don't want to they want to drive them so, where's the straight guy who will not get yeah. in a car to go get some pussy i've yeah. never heard of this straight but guy. like also you know like maybe they did have sex once so then you know doing it again is like the same thing so it's like my you, staying home and jerking off is the same thing and if i'm going to do the same thing again i might as well just stay home and jerk off because at the end of the day like i can order delivery afterwards is it that straight cliche that the guys have to feel like they're on the hunt and you're being too easily obtained so it's not arousing well, i think that's them? not just straight guys right i mean isn't that everybody is it? You, you you don't find like the like the act of like searching for someone to have sex with almost sexier than like actual sex? Not really. Like, but don't you think there's an allure to the like the like going out and seeking it or going online and seeking yeah, it like or going, whatever? Going and finding it is exciting when you find it. Casanova said the ultimate moment, uh, the, the 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 most arousing moment, the sexiest moment is climbing the stairs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when you get to yes and you're going up to the bedroom. Absolutely. And everything after that is an anticlimax, including the climax. Do you agree with that? Uh, I think there's something to that because I the do, sex yeah. never lives up to the hype. Like no. what you've imagined, what you've hoped for when you're like. 
Yeah. It's like vacation. Yeah. It's like, you know. I don't want to throw this out there because of all the trouble Lena Dunham got into. Uh, what happened in, with her? Well, she wrote in her book, she compared like the way she was being as a creepy little kid to oh, right, a sexual right, right, predator. Right, right. And everyone said, oh, my God, she's a sexual predator. And she's like, yeah, no, so no, crazy. I'm comparing my creepy behavior to the ultimate example of creepy behavior. Right. And it was yeah. total bullshit. People right. bagging on her People for that. People love to be mean to her. And I don't want to throw this out there, but – you know, we joke, Terry and I joke, that if, you know, he has his eye on somebody or we think somebody's hot and we're kind of like feeling them out, we call yeah. it grooming behavior. Okay. <laughs> which is, you know, what they say pedophiles do to children. It's grooming behavior. Right. <laughs> and so maybe she needs to tweak her grooming behavior maybe, with these guys. Yeah, maybe it's a little too, it's a little too obvious. Is that what you feel like maybe? Or is it? Or well, she, does she need to like manipulate them and play a little bit harder to get? Do guys want to feel like they got something other guys couldn't get? I mean, I think there's definitely something to that for sure. But at the same time, it's also like maybe don't – maybe what you need to not – maybe the, the the like trying to have like a roster of three and going back to it, A, that sounds kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And B, like it does sound like they're, they're going to get sick of it too. You need to – if you're wanting to have sex every week, I think you have to like actually be active about – looking for it every week. You can't. But she did look for it. She found three guys. She yeah, fucked three guys. Okay, she, like, she proposed friends with benefits relationships with these three guys. They all signed up. They're all sexing. They're all interacting. Yeah. They're not They're not ghosting her. They're not uh, doing know, a fadeaway. It, it, but it's, it, they, they got it. They did it once. And so it's like if she wants to keep doing it, I feel like she needs to actually continue to seek it out. It's not like you can just be like, okay, I've, I've got my, my, my sex guys. buddies. Now I'm, Maybe there are, I'm not, I haven't been to Australia in a while. Maybe there are only three straight guys in Australia. Well, that's a good and, point. And this is it. This is that's all a it. So, very solid She's point. exhausted her options. She's going to have to go to New Zealand. <laughs> have you been to Australia? There are a lot of gay people. There, there. are a lot of gay people in Australia. Yeah. But no, there are a lot of straight people. Too. Everybody there is hot. That's, I mean, that there's that. So I think, I think she's fine. I think she should, she should, she could be able to, people line up three other guys yeah keep trying or one don't give you know up. what i mean once a week i'm sure you could if you if you actually try as opposed to like being like i got my three guys now now where are they my last bit of advice for her would be the direct question instead of asking me why are you sexting with me and not coming over here and fucking me mm-hmm. ask them stop flirting and just straight out ask and Say, maybe that'll scare a straight or... guy like i don't want to sex i want to get fucked do you want to fuck me if you don't want to fuck me mm-hmm. then i'm gonna move on yeah. And why are you sexting with me if you won't come over here and fuck me? Come over here and fuck me. Those are your orders. But do you and see sext? how they respond? Uh, uh, I have to plead the fifth. Okay. <laughs> I think, but like, of course I, I do. Everybody does. Yeah, of course. But nobody wants to think about I do. And like, like I sexting. have specific people in my life that I actually, like, I, I sext and they're just, that's like all, pretty much the relationship I have with them, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like my parents and people. Like, <laughs> 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 like, your fourth grade teacher. My agent. Your boy scout uh, coach. Yeah. No, but like, um, but there are those people that you – that's specifically what you do. And, like, I think you can kind of categorize and put those people in, like, a little bit of a box. And so it's like – So people talk about the friend zone. We have to start talking about the sexting zone. Absolutely. There are people who fall into the sexting zone. Yeah. That you're never going to have sex with. You're just going to swap pics with yeah, and dirty exactly. talk. And, and it gets you – and it gets you, you know, sort of to the next level of then watching porn and jerking off or whatever, you know. They're, they're sort of the, the appetizer. So to boil it down for her, move to New Zealand, ask a direct question. Yeah. And um, maybe masturbate more or be more. Don't don't just like be like, I have my three guys, you know, have, you're going to have to work for it every week. Cock, you have to work for it. <laughs> Hi, Dan. Um, I've got a question about kinky relationships, ex-boyfriends and long distance stuff. So I've got this little bro role play relationship going on um, with a guy who's 21, I'm 27, we live in the same city. 
um, it's cute. We work out together. Um, we play. He's also got a boyfriend and a daddy, and that's all great. And so there's this guy who is my ex-boyfriend who lives in another city. I met him at a big fetish event. And we really hit it off. We were dating until like a couple uh, weeks ago. We were like, you know, long-distance boyfriends. Just didn't work out. We had different life goals. But um, my little bro went to the same city where my ex lives, and something with his hotel fell through, so we ended up staying with my ex for a few days. I introduced them while I was together with my ex. We all, like, had a threesome and played, and it was really fun and hot, and we'd, like, talked about all three of us, like, being in San Francisco together and staying with him, hanging out. Um, so I'm just, like, dealing with a lot of feelings of jealousy about my little bro going to stay with my ex and having sex with him and, like, feeling, like, just sad and angry because I can't have that anymore and wondering what to do with these feelings, if I should try to communicate these feelings to either my little bro or my ex. But uh, I see my little bro every day, work out with him, like, four times a week. So I'm going to see him, like, a lot, and I just don't know what I should do with these feelings. He works out a lot. He does work out a lot. <laughs> I wish sometimes they would enclose pictures with their calls. <laughs> yeah, totally. He has a cute voice. Just Does it ever creep you out, like, the gay thing of, like, little, little bro, bro and daddy? And... Well, it took me a second. I, I, when it, as he kept using the term little bro, I, I, well, I mean, he's also, like, built a really nice family unit, too. Like, um, there's a daddy involved, and there's a, a little bro. And, and a boyfriend. There's a, a strange uncle somewhere in there, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and then there's the animal kingdom, because one of them's probably a bear, and the other's an otter. Right, yeah. Um, I mean, manatee. I totally get what he's saying, though. I totally get the issue of, like, feeling jealous of... But the little bro with whom he has sex, but is not exclusive. Yes. Because the little bro has a daddy, and he probably... It sounds like he has other sex partners, too. And he, the little bro is going to go and stay with his ex-boyfriend, with whom he had a three-way with little bro at one point. Right. And now the little bro and the ex are going to sleep together, and suddenly that crosses a line? Yeah, well, I'm wondering if the three-way happened with the little bro and the ex while the ex and this guy were a couple. Yeah, that's, what that's, it, that's when that, it happened. Okay. So there's, like, that. That's, like, it's it's feeling like... Oh, I was because every I feel like there's that insecurity when you have a three way of like, am I the third person that everybody's kind of like wants out of the picture? You know, I think three ways work best when all three people assume that to be the case. And that's true. Comport I got themselves out of a three way recently. <gasps> it was horrific. <laughs> okay, like fuck this call. What happened? It was traumatizing. It was these two guys that that, that I had like put on this pedestal, and like there there was there were drugs involved, and like we were just like we had been at a gay bar all night, and like you know we were we were hyped up, and um, we uh, we we went back to one of their places, and like it, we were watching Elaine Stritch clips, and as I was, one does I was before a gay three-way, don't give away all our gay secrets. <laughs> yeah. and they and, and you want the straight people to find out about the Elaine Stritch yeah. clips and then start having as many three-ways as we do. That's true. Yeah, that's don't try it. But so then they <laughs> they then they like it turned into a three-way, and then and then midway through, I realized no one was touching me, and that there was like this other thing going on on the one side of the bed, and I was just like laying there all by myself, oh. and I panicked, and then I. I had like a full on just like freak out. You didn't kick. You didn't get kicked out. You kicked yourself out. I well, yeah, basically, I did stand up and I was like, "Do you guys want me to go? Oh, I'm feeling really unwanted right now." At that moment, of course, they want you to. go. And they went. The one of the guys went. Do you feel like you should go? <gasps> it was the most patronizing thing. And they were like, kind of famous, and that made it even worse because then I was like, I'm not famous enough to have this three way. 
Oh my God! So, it was Adina Mazel and John Travolta it, and you was, after the Oscars. Yeah, totally. And I touched his wig, and all of a sudden I get the lights come on. No, but it was awful. So I get the like what this guy's saying about being like left out, left out. And all we need to do is talk to his fucking little. They have this relationship where they have sex and they work out all the time. They're really close. And if he has some, and I think it's an irrational insecurity, you have to yeah. present it as an irrational insecurity. You know, I have these weird feelings about you getting together with my ex. My ex and I aren't on great terms, and it just feels a little squicky. Can yeah. we talk, use your words, caller, can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. And then maybe your little bro will choose your relationship and not messing it up over the sex he might have with your ex yeah. on this trip. But if he doesn't, like, you have to listen to him, caller. You have to let, let him make the case for why this shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. Uh, okay, but that's enough with the call. I want to get back to this three-way that you sure. had. Like, wasn't it an option for you to just, like, retire to a chaise lounge and masturbate and observe? Well, I... If you hadn't been a drama queen at that moment, there, that's probably what you could have done, there right? There probably was that moment that I could have done. However, I was like, A, I had traveled. I was all the way across town, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was the middle of the night. I was in no condition to get home. And so I was like, am I just going to, like, have to sit here and, like... Just, like, lay here while these people hook up. And also, retiring to a chaise lounge and just jerking off while I watch them felt even, like, felt like even more of, like, a pathetic thing. Because then I felt like the creep who was, See, like... I think people who watch. have three ways, and you're a person who has three ways, I assume yeah. this wasn't your first. No, 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 of course. There's always moments in three ways where it becomes a two-way, briefly. Yeah. And if you're gracious about those moments, yeah. it will become a three-way again. That's, so you kind true. of have to hang back a little bit. Yeah. Let them like let people like the problem with three ways that people have is they get crazy if it becomes a two way for a second. Yeah. Then I'm excluded and I'm yeah, not yeah, in yeah. it. Yeah. But if you've been in more than like three three ways, there's been that moment where it became a two way with you and somebody else. Yeah. And somebody else was briefly outside it. That's true. And you just have to kind of roll with that. This was pretty intense though. This was pretty like Well then you interrupt and say, please tie me to a chair. Yeah. So I can't be a part of this. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're yeah. actively excluding me <laughs> instead of just forgetting I'm in the room. That yeah. I mean this I mean this felt like a, a genuine like a, a diss. And the weird thing is that one of them one of the two guys is the one that brought me there to begin with and was like, we're going to go hang out with this guy and it's going to be really fun. And I was like, oh, okay, fun. And then we showed up and then I got ditched. I was just sort of there, to, I think, to like you soften were the, the like, by the side yeah. of the bed, squirt, squirt. Yeah, yeah. And there wasn't even lube. So I and don't, their names were? Uh, yeah, they were, they, were, they were like kind of gay celebrities. Mm. Have you ever had a little bro? Uh, no, I am the youngest in my family, so maybe that's what that's about. But I am into the idea of a little bro. I hooked up with someone not long ago, and they kept calling me sir while we were hooking up, and it really turned me on. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That's the first step. Have that's you ever the, had a little the, bro? The slippery... No, I have brothers. I have, oh, yeah. like, the whole, like, language of, yeah, like, that doesn't... daddy and little bro, that doesn't yeah. work for me, because I, I think I have a fully functioning, or maybe I'm over, because I know that those are, like sexual archetypes and roles and it's not really your father when you yeah. say daddy it's not really your brother when you say bro right but when i say daddy or bro or someone calls me that i think siblings parents you will, and there's nothing like sexy about sibling parents do you feel like that has anything to do with the fact that you're like a family unit uh you're part maybe. of maybe i, I mean know. i don't i don't like the the daddy thing either it, 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 it weirds me out and i also feel like it's like that's what people say if someone's older and hot. And it's like, well, you can be which older is, and hot and not a father. Which is Well, it's good, though, that there's a language now for older and hot because it used yeah, to be true. in gay culture 40, 50 years ago. There was Hot was this window between 18 and 28, and then it was over. So now that there's a little more like right. oxygen in the room for yeah, old fags like me, that's good. But yeah. I don't want anyone calling me daddy except my son. Yeah, I get that. 
Uh, well, I just yeah, I don't think that they should. I don't think he should uh, like hold on to all that crap. I think he should like you know reach out and say to the little bro, "Don't call the boyfriend. Yeah. It's not your boyfriend's job, your ex boyfriend's job, to police yeah. the behavior of this other person. Yeah, on your behalf. And yeah, you introduced them. Yeah, and, and, and so you can't call the the ex and say you're not allowed to sleep with this person. Yeah, you have to speak to this person because you don't have a relationship with your ex. You have a relationship with this guy, your right. little bro caller. He's the one to talk to. And don't present it as you've done something wrong. Don't present it as right. you're a monster that you didn't anticipate this or you didn't think – you didn't realize that this would bother me. Present it as I have a little irrational kind of jealousy where my ex is concerned and yeah. this is kind of freaking me out. Can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. And then maybe the end of that conversation will be he's not going to sleep with your ex. Maybe the end of that conversation will be you'll be more comfortable with the idea of him sleeping yeah. with your ex. But I totally get it. But back to your three-way. But back to my. So three-way. how did you get out of the house then? Uh, I I after I had my freakout, it totally killed the mood for everybody, <laughs> and so then we all just slept. Really, freakouts usually make me so hard. <laughs> three- when someone's having an insecure meltdown <laughs> in the corner of the room, I'm like jacking it. We all three then just slept next to each other in this bed, and then we got up in the morning, and the kid that brought me and I, I woke up and he was leaving, and I was like, "You can't leave me with the other guy." That I just had this meltdown in front of. What are you doing? And he uh, – so we left and then we got down to the uh, to the lobby of the building and I realized I had left my cell phone in the guy's apartment. And you had to go back up. I had to go back up. Thank God the door hadn't shut all the way. Because you didn't want to wake Tom Cruise at that moment. I did. God, you don't wake up Tom Cruise on a Saturday. To just to get, also, retrieve your cell phone. Also, it was Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this is the saddest three-way story really I think sad. I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of sad ones in my yeah. job. And I was in New York, and, so I, and I, I left when I left the building, I, I couldn't remember where this building was, where I was. And I came out of the building, and we were outside the UN. We, we, we hadn't been in the UN. We were across the street from the UN. And that just made it all the more just sort of eerie and alarming. a three-way with Kofi and not. <laughs> and turn on the lights. <laughs> Hi, Dan. I'm in Wyoming, and I'm a 24-year-old straight male. Uh, I met a girlfriend on Tinder. We've been dating for about three months. And she is awesome. We're about to move in together. She's got half of her stuff moved in. The only problem is a friend of mine came to me and said he saw her on Tinder. I confronted her about it. I didn't say that I saw her, that she was on Tinder. I just asked her if there was anything that she'd like to talk about or tell me. And she said no. And I asked her if she's talking to anyone. She said, not really. And so I had to ask her to elaborate. She wouldn't go anywhere. And I said, why are you on Tinder? She says that she was and she didn't know why that she wasn't getting anything out of it, and she wasn't talking to guys, but she was talking to one girl, and she never met anybody. Mm-hmm. I told her that, you know, it was it kind of hurt, and that we could move past it, and I still wanted to move in, and I'm not going to dump her. But as time goes by, I find myself getting a little more angry about it, and I'm just trying to figure out how to get past it or how to figure out if somebody went behind your back and deceived you how you're supposed to believe what they say you ever been in a long-term relationship uh yeah yeah i've ever been in one that didn't involve daily minor deceptions absolutely yeah yeah yeah. i mean no yeah obviously and i i i think uh the tinder thing i feel like you can't i mean i guess you there is a way to not be on tinder but (laughs) if it's on your i'm not on tinder yeah but i mean if it's on your phone i feel like if you 
even if you delete the app, I don't know, maybe your profile's still in there. I don't know. But she clearly was doing it. But also, is I, what I was confused by is, was she talking to a girl romantically? Uh, maybe Tinder has some sort of chat app now okay. or chat function. I'm not on Tinder. You message back and forth. She's lying about, I was only on Tinder to chat with a girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she was chatting with a girl, but she's on Tinder for the attention. If she's not looking to get laid, she's just looking for the erotic buzz and charge and the validation of people thinking she's hot and, like, messaging her. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that, but if he's angry about it, they have no business moving in together. Yeah, because it sounds like this is going to grow and grow and grow like a cancer. He'll start policing her every move. He'll He'll be looking at her laptop when she's asleep. And and looking at her laptop for evidence of what, call her, you should just assume to be true. Yeah. She wants to fuck other people. Yeah. Of course she does. have a conversation about that, You also want to fuck other people. The question is, if you're in a monogamous relationship, are you going to? Well, no. You're in a monogamous relationship. You're not going to fuck other people. You will both still want to fuck other people. Right. And you'll both still want to feel attractive in the eyes of other people. Mm -hmm. And all dating apps and things like Tinder are is the equivalent you know 30 40 years ago of dropping by a bar after work mm-hmm. to grab a drink yeah. and maybe flirt a little bit and soak up some positive affirming yeah. attention and then go home to your spouse yeah and fuck them yeah and so i don't unless you find evidence that she is arranging to hook up do you think though that like there's any difference but that there is a difference between like that what you just said like going to a bar and you know getting that validation or whatever and then going home and fucking your your spouse and and like actually being in your home that you share with someone else and like sitting there on your couch uh, on like next to your spouse like on Tinder writing someone else yeah there's because that weirdness that tips over into inconsideration and yeah. selfishness and cruelty yeah and you know making somebody else feel inadequate yeah and also just being a an asshole. Yeah. But, you know, there's everybody complains about all the fakers on every dating app and Craigslist, the pick collectors and the fakers. Faker. Oh, like someone pretending to be someone else? Or someone pretending to be interested. Somebody right. that the people, you know, they go online, they arrange to hook up, they dirty chat, and then they disappear. Well, it's kind of like uh, that earlier caller, that girl. And the and the like setting up the fuck buddy thing, and then like it now it just feels like she sends dirty texts and nothing ever comes except from without it. the actual fucking ever. Yeah, right. And so people go online they, and they lead people on, and then people complain about fakes and flakes on every dating app. Perhaps your girlfriend is one of those fakes or flakes, and yeah. she just likes to have guys that she thinks are cute send her send a sexy her. message or two. Yeah, and I, you know, but you know, here I am, who I am, and the kind of relationship I'm in. I don't think that that's you should be terribly terribly threatened by that no. any more than you would be threatened by her flirting with somebody at the gym briefly or yeah. you or, or she should be threatened by you flirting with some woman briefly at the gym or on the street or right. at work or in a bar so long as your intention isn't to go through with it mm-hmm. just to like get that affirmation mutual acknowledgement of attractiveness to feel sort of charged up and take mm-hmm. that energy home if that's what she's doing mm-hmm. as for reestablishing trust that's just you know putting your hand back on the stove Right. She's going to violate your trust in the future and you're going to violate yeah. hers. And there's no long-term relationship without a million little cuts and nicks and a little million band-aids of forgiveness. Yeah. And and you just have to will yourself to trust her again, knowing that she's going to violate your trust at some point. If you want a relationship right. with something that will never violate your trust, get a Furby a toaster or a Furby yeah, <laughs> or an emoji something or whatever those little things were. An emo- oh, Tamagotchi. Tamagotchis. <laughs> that or a dog. Something that when it violates your trust, you can take it to the vet and have it put down. And only toys from, from the 90s. <laughs> Furbies and Tamagotchis and Beanie Babies. <laughs> they will never violate your trust. Another human being is going to violate your trust and you're going to violate theirs. And if you can't – I hate to make it sound so commodified, but if you can't exchange 
forgivenesses and mm-hmm. and and re-endowing that person with your trust back and forth and the expectation that they're going to do the same for you you have no business being in a relationship yeah and i, I mean like and you got to like deal with the like thing he's holding on to right now before you move any further right? yeah Forgive her, but you should have an honest conversation with her. Yeah. And I think every, everybody who moves in, everybody who gets married, everybody should, who, who has a relationship, exclusive or not, needs to have a conversation with uh, about the reality of the fact that you're going to want to fuck other people. I'm going to want to fuck other people. Yeah. If it's an exclusive relationship, we're not going to do that, but we shouldn't have to pretend that we only no, want to fuck each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't be inconsiderate. We shouldn't be cruel to each other. We're not mm-hmm. going to be assholes. But don't look at me if you catch me looking at somebody's ass on the street and go, oh my God, you're looking at that person's ass. Right. As if that's not telling you anything you don't already know. Right. And yeah. I won't do the same to you. If I see mm-hmm. you checking somebody out, if you flirt with somebody at a party that we're both at, a little bit harmless flirtation, not dragging them to the bathroom and finger banging them and making out and disappearing for 45 right. minutes. A little harmless flirtation. I'm not going to blow up about that. Right. And if you do that, people, in your monogamous relationships, your exclusive relationships, if you can get there, you're going to have a much more harmonious and peaceful monogamous yeah, relationship. it's not like this weird sort of toxic right. silence. And constant policing yeah. and finding fault and exploding. If you can get there, everyone thinks I'm the enemy of monogamous relationships. What I'm saying is if you can get there, you there will be harmony and peace in mm-hmm. your monogamous relationship. And therefore, that monogamous relationship will be likelier to survive. The enemy of monogamous relationships would be a really good Disney villain. <laughs> what would her name be? Uh, Guinevere. Guinevere? She's, that's taken. That's Well, I guess she cheats on who? King Arthur, Guinevere. And, oh, yeah, that's not really a Disney thing. Well, Guinevere cheated with Lancelot, so she could um, be the enemy of monogamous all right, Denise. relationships. <laughs> Played by Denise, with the vocal stylings of Denise Rich. Yes. You're obsessed with actresses. Yeah. Why? Uh, why aren't you? I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't know why I'm obsessed. I don't have with that. that gay gene. I think I have I, that obsessed with dick gay gene, but not that obsessed with actresses gay gene. Yeah, and I really don't have the dick obsessed thing. Um, I uh, I think I'm obsessed with actresses uh, that uh, have achieved uh, a level of success and then uh, no longer have it, and are sort of uh, sort of trying to figure out what to do next. And I don't know what that's about. That's how I feel about like Milwaukee and St. Louis. I like these <laughs> yeah, big totally. failed cities. Absolutely. They achieved a certain success and it kind yeah. of receded and they're marooned there, these big cities. Absolutely. It's like Taylioni is Detroit. You know what I mean? Hi, Dan. 40 year old male that uh, has uh, a, you know, a, de- a pretty decent, healthy sex life. And uh, through uh, a, a number of other partners in the past who uh, I used to use condoms with, I had a. Uh, hard time keeping them on uh, because I self-lubricate quite a bit. You know, I, I imagine that's a, you know, my prostate fluid is uh, a little more substantial or, or uh, you know, pre-cum is more substantial. And so that tends to make the condom slippery and it slides off even when I'm still fully erect. Now, I was wondering if you have any suggestions on types of condoms that are less susceptible to sliding off. Or if it, you know, if there's something, if there's particular brands that fit more snugly at the base, or uh, if you might have any advice on that, I'd appreciate it. If you self-lubricate in great amounts, even if the condom fits snugly at the base, it's just going to turn to a giant water balloon full of pre-cum on your dick. <laughs> Which is fun. It could be fun. <laughs> but then you'd have to throw him and his dick out the building to yeah. you make it work like a water balloon to drop it on someone on the street below. I, I've never 
heard of that being like people oh, becoming that, that much. Person. Really? Yeah. Some people have sort of a hyperactive uh, pre-cum superpowers where they just wow. pump out so, so much pre-ejaculate fluid yeah. that it's like a leaky faucet. It's like a constant stream. What, a mighty stream. If, I, they, if what, I can borrow Martin Luther King's. <laughs> but when they eventually have an orgasm, is there less uh, come than normal or no, is it it's No, because the there's different glands that produce your pre-ejaculate. Oh, pre-ejaculate, really? uh, oh. God, Cowper's gland and something else. There's like seven or 8,000 different glands. I can't keep them straight. Um, <laughs> that exists to uh, change the alkaline balance in your urethra because the acidity of uh, urine uh, okay. is bad for sperm cells. And it's, so oh. what pre-cum and pre-ejaculate does, it sort of flushes out your urethra, which is mostly used for pissing, right. to prepare ye the way of the, of the spunk of that's the coming. Cum. Um, of the well, sperm what, cells. what do you know good condoms for that? The obvious solution is a female condom. Have you ever used a female condom? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on what? <laughs> well, you can use it for anal sex. Gay people can really? use it. Um, I call them ass can liners, like trash can liners. Uh-huh. It's like a sort of giant polyurethane baggy condom that you put into the orifice that you're going to fuck. So I would put it up my butt? You would put it up your butt, and then the person with a bare dick can fuck the condom that your butt is holding in place. Oh. So it's like a, you know, a trash can liner. You put the trash, you put the garbage bag into the trash can. So think be- of your ass as a big trash say, can. That's a beautiful analogy. Isn't it? <laughs> Nothing sexier than imagining my ass as a trash can. And then somebody can. throws their dick into the garbage over and over and over again until they come and that's a female condom. Um, yeah, okay. And, and so it's it's very capacious. There's plenty of room in there for your pre-cum. Also, your pre-cum collar could leak out because there's a wide base on a female condom, okay. a flared base. So it won't necessarily – your pre-cum won't necessarily end up dripping back into the orifice that you happen to be fucking. And it is right. a really terrific solution for someone with your problem. Huh, okay. I'm not going to argue that. That sounds right to I'm me. So, I'm really surprised that a sophisticated urban gay man your age has, has never heard of female condoms. I mean, I've heard of them. I just didn't know that you could do it with a with for ass a, fucking. With that for ass fucking, yeah. I did not. Yeah, I mean, I know a female condom. So gay guys who complain, uh, or straight guys who complain that they can't feel anything with a condom. Right. Yeah, uh, people with latex sensitivities because female condoms are made out of polyurethane. Okay. They're a really good option. Huh. And if you want to fuck two butts or two two vaginas. And go back and forth in a three way. Right. You yeah. put a female condom in each, and then you don't have to change condoms as you move from person to person. Right. You just put your dick in one, pull out, put your dick in the other, go so back. So it's economic. Yes, and maybe it could have come in handy with that disastrous three way you had. Well, it wouldn't. It couldn't have come in handy in with the United that, but... Nations with Tom Cruise and Adina Mazel. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have come in handy with that because there was no fucking happening. I'm so sorry. I know. I'm really trying to. If let there's it no go. fucking happening in your three ways, you're doing them wrong. I, I you're preaching to the choir, Dan. Hey, Dan. My wife and I have been together for 25 years, married for about 21. About three years ago, we were ready to get divorced because we just weren't happy. And one day she said to me, I think I just want you to dominate me. And so we began a now three-year-long BDSM career that went from a dom-sub relationship to a master-slave relationship, trying to do a 24-7 total power exchange, which I think is just almost a ridiculous term. Who the hell can do anything for 24 hours a day, seven days a week? <clears throat> so we're three years in and now struggling with, uh, I'm struggling with the idea that, hey, you know, you asked for this and now you're telling me what, I'm too bossy, I'm too masterly, I'm too demanding, I'm too domineering, I'm smothering you. A year ago, two years ago, you were saying, hey, buddy, step up your game. So 
here it is. And now we're back to feeling like nothing I do makes her happy. So don't know if you deal with this a lot or if this is something that's completely unique to me. I doubt it. So in your last total power exchange relationship, <laughs> did you do it 24-7? <laughs> no. Or were there times it was just laid back and affectionate? Um, yeah, absolutely. How many total power exchange relationships have you had? Um, I have not. I don't think I've had any except, like, you know, the fact that I'm really codependent. There's there's a power exchange to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a, there's a d- deep codependency issues. But, like, uh, w- but uh, what I'm confused by is, like, is – is part of what she's complaining about part of the whole scenario? Like complaining you're being too bossy. Is that part of the sub thing? Uh, part of the characterization I of it all? doubt it. It doesn't sound like it's within the role play realm. It sounds right. like she's stepping out of the roles to critique his performance as 24-7 total power exchange, which is violating the terms of 24-7 total power exchange, yeah. which I agree with you, caller, is kind of unworkable. It's a fine thing yeah. perhaps to fantasize and masturbate about, but it's nothing you – that's the car that the dog doesn't want to catch. Right. right? Because it's not going to be actual. It's not going to be what you fantasize about. Well, so you don't and make, this is the, clearly the Fifty Shades effect. 25 years, married, yeah. straight couple. The wife suddenly wants to be dominated, yeah. but she'd probably prefer to be dominated by a billionaire with a red room of pain than by the right. husband she's been with 25 years. But it worked for a while. Yeah. You know, it sounds like it jazzed things back up and they had yeah. a sexual adventure. It, I think they just need to – he needs to dial it back. Maybe like like let go of the like extreme of it. Like, like you, can't, yeah, you can't do anything for 24 hours. It's, it, Unless you're a meth addict. But, yeah, but, so yeah, you but, need to mix meth into your total power <laughs> exchange relationship and then it will be fine. Everything. But, don't, but also like don't you think um, that like it's like they're li- – you can't live in fantasy all the time. Some people think that you can. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to say total power exchange isn't a thing that anybody's ever pulled off or worked. And I'll get calls from people chained to walls and dungeons who will tell me that they've been in total power exchange relationships. Have you ever been in one of those kind of relationships? No, no. I can be in temporary power exchange where you're the boss for the next 45 minutes. Sure. And then we go back to me ordering you around, which is something I'm more comfortable with. Oh, I see. Okay. Or, you know, just I'm too much of a control freak right. outside of the sex. Like I can like not be in charge during sex. That's fine. Yeah, right. But then but then know, it's like, yeah, what wanna... movie we're going to see and where we're going to go to dinner. Exactly. And what yeah. color we're going to paint the bedroom. Right. It's, you I wanna... have to have the last say. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it, I, I don't I wouldn't uh, even know where to begin on a relationship like that. I, I just think I think she her eyes were bigger than her stomach. That she asked for more than mm-hmm. she could actually handle. She asked for what she thought she wanted and has discovered it's not what she wanted. Yeah. And so you just need to dial it back to Dom Sub yeah. as an occasional thing. sprinkle on the cupcake and not the whole goddamn cupcake itself. Right. Is that is that a thing? Like the you said the Fifty Shades effect? Has that been like something? Oh, yeah. Lots of middle-aged straight ladies reading Fifty Shades of Grey. All and of a sudden getting into that? All of a sudden getting into it, wanting their husbands to try it. Women come into their kinks later in life. Men hit sexual peak in their teens. We know what our kinks are by the time we're 20. Uh-huh. We've been jacking off about them for five years before we ever meet somebody who wants to have sex right. with us. Get into it. Right. Yeah. And women hit their sexual peaks later in life. And, I, and this is just my crackpot pulled from my ass theory. Also, it's the plot of Hope Springs with Meryl Streep. There you go. Women hit their sexual peak <laughs> later in life. And I think that's when kinks emerge during sexual peakdom. Yeah. And it's another sign from God that we are supposed to be in same-sex relationships so that our sexual peaks coincide. Did you see Hope Springs? No, I didn't. Gene Smart works at a uh, Chico's in it. No, she doesn't. At Coldwater Creek. See, Who's Gene Smart? You're a better homo than I. I have no you know idea who Gene Smart, Smart is. is no. Designing women. Mm. Okay, Dan. 
I didn't watch Designing Women. I mean, fine. You don't have to brag about it. I was out of the country. Where were That's you? That's like I'm bragging about. I lived in Europe for a few years. I missed all sorts of stuff. I never saw Twin Peaks. I didn't see that. Okay. Uh, what were you doing I've in Europe? I've never watched Golden Girls. You've never watched? Come on. You've watched Golden Girls. I've watched a clip or two that I was forced to watch, but I don't. I don't see. In, in a dom sub, a dom sub situation. <laughs> Total power exchange. I was forced to watch Golden Girls yeah. all night long. I thought I was going to get my dick sucked. No, I had to watch. And I'm a B. Arthur fan. I love her in Mame. Okay. I love her in Fiddler. Yeah. So yeah, I know about B. Arthur in Mame and Fiddler. Yeah. As Vera Charles. Yeah. We'll always be bosom buddies. Right. Yeah. I know. Um. But no, that's interesting. No, no Golden Girls. No Golden Girls. Anyways, yeah. So Meryl Streep's character in Hope Springs hits her. So do you think you watch more gay porn or more uh, middle-aged comedies <laughs> over straight ladies in female-driven comedies? Well, I definitely spend more time with those movies. I, I when I watch porn, I watch it very like in just for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And I do you do that like and jump to the moments that you want to like the the moments you know are going to get you You're off. You're going to hate me when I say this. Next. You don't watch porn. I don't watch a lot of porn. I don't. Why? Why? I, I don't watch. My, I don't really like videos. I, I'm a lady. I'm a girl. I like to read dirty stories. Do you? Yeah. So when you jerk off, you just like use your imagination. I have people for that. I, I don't <laughs> jerk myself off. I, I've achieved a certain level of notoriety and success where somebody <laughs> comes to mow the lawn, somebody comes to clean the house, and somebody comes and jacks me off. Every Great. Day. Yeah. Like you have your own gale. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to unpack that reference for fear of being sued. There are lots of gals in the world. We're not saying which gal it was. Absolutely. Hello, Dan Savage, and hi to Nancy and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. I am a 25-year-old heteroflexible from the Southeast, happily engaged to my fiancé, who is a 31-year-old heterosexual guy. My fiancé and I get along wonderfully. We're both very GGG. We've been together through thick and thin for five years now. Last night, he and I had another disagreement about something but there's a current conversation that we can't come to a compromise on. A little background. My father recently passed away February of last year. I had a bit of a strange relationship with him because of his alcoholism. Alcoholism is also in genetic in my fiance's family. So I'm a little sensitive and insecure when it comes to alcohol consumption. My fiance enjoys drinking regularly, meaning like four to five times a week, maybe two drinks each time. I understand he drinks because he enjoys Trying new craft beers, helps him relax, relax after work. But I only do it about once a month, maybe twice, in filming a social situation. I get uncomfortable when I see that he switches more beer or I see that he's having a drink on a random Tuesday night or whatever. I realize that this is just from me being scarred and insecure because of my experience with my father. But when I talk to my fiance about it, he's very supportive and understanding, but he insists on taking all the alcohol out of our house and not drinking. This makes me feel guilty. I don't think it's fair for me to make him feel like he can't drink in his own house. So how do I suck it up and realize that he's not an alcoholic like my father? I think I just need someone to tell me I'm being silly, so I'll stop, and he can continue enjoying his drinks. Have you ever smoked? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, I mean, I have. Cigarettes? I've never, like, gotten... I've never, yeah. On but, purpose? Uh, I or mean, like... Trip and fall and smoke a cigarette. I've, I've, often, I've often, like, when i am like been drunk, wanted to, like, be a smoker and, like... I've had moments where I've been like, I just, I need a cigarette, but then I smoke one and then I'm dizzy. I don't, I wish, I, I mean, I don't wish I smoked cigarettes, but like, I wish I was um, someone who could just like have a cigarette and like, that be it. But I don't think I, I don't, they're not for me. My first bit of advice for her, which she anticipated is stop fucking smoking. Yeah, yeah you're, you're really anti-smoking. Yeah, I'm, I'm What's that about? I, I, <laughs> well, actually, it's funny you should ask. Like, I really think that, you know, I had 
daddy issues with my actual biological, physical father, daddy. Okay. And it was, mo- you know, you'd think because I was a gay kid and like that would be the source of our, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the source of all of our conflict growing up. No, it was smoking. He, he smoked and smoked and smoked and, and I had asthma like and I hated the smell. And our very first fights when we were kids wasn't about like my son, the proto-homosexual, I can right. see it coming and I don't disapprove was he would want to send me to the corner store to buy cigarettes when I was five, and I would refuse to go. Well, that's just crazy, I mean, on his part. But also, did he smoke, like, in, in your house and Oh, stuff? in the house at the dinner table, in, in the, the Chevy Nova with the windows rolled up in the winter in Chicago Shit. and four kids rattling around in the backseat without seatbelts on. That's crazy. People did that then. It was a different time. Um, we're, mean, not, we're not actually helping this caller at all right now. Not at all. Let's we're talk just, about alcohol. Do you drink? Yes. Do you feel like it's ever, like, a problem in your relationship like comes between you and your partner no but one of the things that you know in a relationship is you're there to nudge each other and say you should go to the doctor like stop complaining about accident go to the doctor and he's sometimes there to say all right that's enough and i do the same to him Mm -hmm. that's enough but i i think that she's this is a case where she's being irrational she's like oh i worry about your drinking he offers to get all the alcohol out of the house she he, he gives her a yes and she won't take yes for an answer yeah he's willing to demonstrate that he can detach from alcohol completely for her comfort if it really does make her feel worried or insecure or bad. Uh-huh. And then she feels bad that she's making him give up this thing that he enjoyed. Like either take yes for an answer and get all the booze out of the house and just make that an out of the house thing uh-huh. and more occasional, less frequent or just fucking relax mm-hmm. or do that sober October or What's sober October to where you don't drink in October. Oh, Okay. You know, let him once a year for a month prove to you right. that booze is something he can walk away from. He clearly doesn't have but a problem. But it doesn't sound – I was say, it doesn't sound like he's proving otherwise, like, that he does have a problem, like, at all. Yeah, she needs to chill the fuck out. I, I say this as someone who has three out of four alcoholic grandparents and, yeah. you know, there's alcoholism in my family. Sure. And none of my siblings and my parents weren't alcoholics. Yeah. So but, I don't yeah. think this is a problem. Like, well, it sounds like it's a good thing. It's an insecure. It's like that it's caller like, earlier, yeah. the guy whose little bro is going off to sleep with his ex. Yeah. Like, and I said to him, present it to the little bro as an insecurity and perhaps a slightly irrational one, right. and ask them to comfort you and, and do what they can to make you feel better about it, more secure. Yeah. And the same for this caller, well, you have this irrational like, fear that any drinking is going to like make re- them like your dad, make them like your dad, and that's yeah. just not true. The world is full of people who drink. Yeah. Occasionally and appropriately mm-hmm. and in moderation and, you know, moderation in all things, including moderation, you mm-hmm. can still get drunk every once in a while. Absolutely. Right. And don't worry about it mm-hmm. and let him, you know, present it as an insecurity or slightly irrational and let him reassure you and build the reassurances into the relationship, which can right. be as simple as let's not have anything to drink this week or let's take a month off alcohol together mm-hmm. and then fucking quit smoking before your faces fall off your skulls. Really? Has your, has your husband ever smoked? Uh, yes. Like while y'all were together. No, but he has pictures of him with cigarettes in his face. And you don't like it. He just drives you crazy. And they're in the same photo albums as pictures of him in high school. Is this weird? I've talked about this before. Terry hates it when I talk about this. I see pictures of my husband in high school. Okay. And I want to get in a time machine and go fuck him when he was a sophomore in high school. I get that. And is that like, is that wrong? Because he's technically a minor. And I want to get in a time machine and go, hey, listen, 
We're you don't know married. me, yeah. but in eight years, we're going to meet in a gay bar in Seattle. Yeah. We're going to get married, have a kid. So this is okay. Yeah. I'm going to fuck you right now Yeah, when you're a junior I mean, in high school. basically what happens in Back to the Future with Leah Thompson, right? <laughs> like with, like, with, like, you bring her. it back to some like, – But you so know what? I, it is sort of like what happened. I mean, I mean well, no, that's his mom. Mm-hmm. Never mind. There's Do you know no what they're fucking... exploring in that movie? What? A thing, a, a thing called genetic sexual attraction. What is that? People who are uh, biologically related, even very closely, siblings, okay. uh, parent-child – who didn't grow up together? They weren't raised by that parent. Uh, this is often happens with adoptees who seek mm-hmm. out their biological families, okay. and they come together, and there is a sexual attraction. Really, and it's called a genetic sexual attraction. It's a theory. I don't think it's been proven. Genetic sexual attraction, um, and this happens often enough that it has been studied, and people write about it and worry about it. Right. That adult adoptees seek out their biological families and then sleep with their mom or sleep with a brother. Wow. And then they're all freaked out because they committed incest. But the incest taboo is built over time and closeness and familiarity. So right. if you're not, if you're raised apart from your sibling, yeah, your immediate sibling, your full sibling, I think that's. And fine. then you come together later in life, you may find that person attractive because there's some part of that that similarity, that genetic mm-hmm. similarity, that is alluring in the absence of the closest and familiarity of actually having been raised together. I get that. So that's what, when I saw Back to the Future, I was like, oh, genetic sexual attraction. Yeah. When you saw it, you thought... I, I wanted to fuck Michael J. Fox. I mean... Really? Yeah, don't you think he was cute in that? No. No, he never really did anything for me. Yeah. You were too busy. You're too busy wanting to go back in the future and fuck your husband <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> Is that so wrong? I don't think it's wrong at all. I think it's like super hot, actually. <laughs> and I totally get you it. You don't know me, but please take your pants off, lie down. <laughs> yeah, totally. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. In eight years, you're going to see me in a bar and we'll go, I know you. Yeah. We're in a time machine. You, you fucked me that, in junior you know that year guy from 2015 who fucked me. <laughs> <laughs> Kept talking about I, the iPhone watch or whatever. <laughs> Hi, Dan. I'm 27 years old. I'm a straight female. I recently met a guy through a fetish website, and I'm looking to explore submission, and he's a dom, and so we've been chatting for a while. We met up. He's really cute. I think I like him. I I don't have much experience with this except sort of uh, trying some stuff with ex-boyfriends who weren't explicitly into it. But so I wanted to try some stuff that's a little more intense. And this guy and I, we're we're having conversation. We're discussing, um, you know, limits and boundaries and things like that from what I've read online. So we're talking about safe words. And he told me that I needed to know that... um, For him, it's kind of, you know, I guess obviously a psychological thing. And while we can obviously have a safe word um, and he will stop if I use it, that it would probably end the relationship if I used it. Uh, Not that he would dislike me as a person, but that it it kills it for him for a girl, you know, to use it, I guess. Or he just loses attraction after that, which, I mean, I guess makes sense in a way, but also... I don't know. I was telling my friend and she was saying that's kind of unethical. But then I was thinking, is it unethical if he's already told me and if he's being upfront about it? And, you know, he also said he's not going to do anything, I guess, that crazy. But uh, we were talking about some stuff, I guess, that I might need a safe word for. So I was just wondering uh, what you thought. We knew you were coming, so we gathered up all the calls about hardcore BDSM and kink. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I mean, obviously you need a safe word, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, it sounds 
scary that he would be like turned off by a safe word, right? And he's threatening her with the end of the relationship if she uses a safe word, which you might as well not have a safe word at all then. Yeah. Because you don't want to hesitate to use the safe word if you feel it's dangerous or you're being traumatized. And if you're weighing like what's happening to me and I hate it and it's traumatizing me versus do I really want to never see this guy again? Right then you're going to get really hurt. Yeah, that's really upsetting. I've heard other people who are BDSM tops who have a rule about using safe words, which is that when you use it, the scene is over. And we'll like go get ice cream and we'll hang out and we'll talk about it and we'll play again sometime. And their theory is that if you have a safe word and it's just a button you can press over and over and over again during the scene, then the bottom is directing the scene. Right. The bottom is editing the scene. The top right. really isn't in charge, really isn't in control. Right. It's just sort of like pretend. Right. So yeah. the safe word in that kind of a situation is a ripcord that pulls mm-hmm. you out of the scene. It's the ejector button. Pulls you out. Right. And you both leave and you come back and you talk about what went wrong mm-hmm. and you go back in and hopefully you are more in tune with each other and then nobody has to use a safe word. Right. And so it does up the stakes of using the safe word. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, uh, I have a friend who's totally into BDSM and he'll say that the bottom, the bottom boy – will use the safe word because they're worried about what might not happen next or what what's happening getting worse. So they'll right. panic and you push that button mm-hmm. when it's actually the bo- the top's just being a little scary. Right. And so you don't want panic usage of the safe word over and over and over again because that's mm-hmm. tedious. Right. So you have to – this is the guy I know uh, who uses the safe word where it's an injector button. But this, like, use your safe word, I'm never going to see you again? Yes. Yeah, Weird. You might as well not have a safe word. Yeah. That's somebody trying to manipulate you into enduring whatever they throw at you. That's really upsetting. So I wouldn't play with this guy. No, I I wouldn't either. Have you ever had a safe word? Do you have a say, like a a designated safe word in your relationship? Uh, Popcorn. Yeah. But only because Tina Fey used that as a safe word in a (laughs) SNL skit, uh, which was set in a swingers party okay popcorn was her safe word so popcorn is mine and terry's we go popcorn just like she did usually we only use that safe word in the context of dinner or right he wants to see a movie that i don't want to see so i will use my safe word uh yeah i would i I, that sounds like something to like steer clear of that that relationship it does i do know people uh, it is a thing in the king community there are people who don't use safe words how does that work? Well, you have to trust, you know, they say that you have to trust the person who's going to take it so slowly and waka, waka, waka. But I, I don't think that, particularly with someone you've just met off the internet, Yeah. unless you have a million references and this guy has played with a bunch of your friends and right. you know this guy is safe and you've talked to other women he's played with and they have nothing but good things to say about him. Right. I wouldn't, no. if I were you, caller, I wouldn't go there. Yeah. That's, it seems like really unhealthy. It does. It's, it's manipulative. Yeah. And like, she also said that she was like new to that world, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like he's like, you know, preying on that. Yes. Yes. Exploiting your naivete and also your desire to get with this shit, to start doing this shit. Mm -hmm. And you kind of like him and he's holding that over your head and trying to get you into a situation and a scene where you're trapped. Yeah. Or you're not trapped. You have a way out. You can use your safe word. But it's but, but then you never see him again. Yeah. And that's manipulative in a really shitty way. Totally. So don't do it. Don't. What's your safe word? Um, I used to have a safe word with my ex-boyfriend when he, when I would get like – like if I was getting like totally crazy and like uh, irrational and uh, drunk, uh, he, I, he would say Dolly Parton. 
or just bring up Dolly Parton in conversation, mm-hmm. and I would be like, "Oh, right, that's like I'm supposed to calm down now." Is that I'm a safe word, or mean. is that a? I've been, I've never had I've never really had BDSM sex, so mm-hmm. I've never needed a safe word. But you're still in your twenties. Yeah, there's plenty of time. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm not giving I'm not up giving up on it. How did you arrive at Dolly Parton as your safe word? Um, I think just because like w- uh, when we would. If we were like having an argument and deciding to be mean to each other by bringing up Dolly Parton, we were she's like such a ray of light and and calming and positive that she that it would like bring the mood down to something a little bit more cheerful. You know, mm-hmm. you can't talk about Dolly Parton and be in a bad mood. It's like a secular gay saint. It's yeah, like, yeah, instead yeah. Instead of invoking Saint Teresa, right? Because like it like if you're fighting and you're like and you're like oh my god I hate this person, then you if you remember like a thing you enjoy mutually together that's very positive, it would you know bring the mood back down to. To planet Earth, so you'd watch nine to five or no, Best no, Little Horror just, House. Just say it, and then it was like, all right, you're watching well, it in your mind. Yeah, then you're yeah, really yeah. Experiencing yeah. Best Little Horror House, the Aggie song. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. God, that's that so movie. hot. Yeah, oh my God, that is so hot. It made you know a what's, distinct impression on me when I was a child. Absolutely. You know what's also hot that I stumbled upon the other day? I was watching. There's a clip of when from the movie of South Pacific in the fifties, the the Doris Day, the Technicolor mm-hmm. movie, when they sing, "There's nothing like a dame." The go watch it's on YouTube. The the sailors in that are so insanely hot. It is unspeakable how hot it is. It's, I will go it's, watch that. It's so crazy. And there's one who's like really really tall and like really beefy and blonde and tanned and sings bass. Great, like top notch. If he wanted to tie you up and not give you a safe word, would you let him? I would want a safe word. I would want Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> That's your safe word? Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't think anyone's hot enough that I would like just allow. Do you think there's anyone that you would be like, they can do whatever they want to me and I wouldn't say no. I mean, that's something really terrifying about Thelma that. Thelma and Louise era Brad Pitt. I mean, I guess. I mean, obviously, but you wouldn't want some way to like get out of it if all of a sudden it got like violent or something. Oh, yeah, of course then. But like, Yeah. You gotta have a you gotta have a way out. You gotta have a dolly. Even Parton. even you gotta with have a dolly. someone as hot as Thelma and Louise era Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. which is as hot as it gets. Have you ever gotten aroused thinking about Dolly Parton? Have you ever gotten no. Dollywood? Oh no, God no. I mean, no. You ever slept with a girl? No. Gold star? Uh, yeah. Have you you slept with a girl? Yeah. Yeah. You. Yeah. Because you have that story about that your first sexual experience, right? Was a three way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A girl and a guy. Yeah. That's kind of that's a hot story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little traumatizing. Is it? I'm, Why I'm is it traumatophobic? Are you? Is that, was that the only time you've had sex with a girl? No, I had like three different girls that I had sex with and girlfriends and. You have you and your husband ever had sex with a girl together? together? Oh no, my God, my husband's gold star. Oh, he is. Okay. My husband calls himself Platinum Gay. <laughs> okay, because not only has he never had sex with a woman, he was a C-section. Oh, so he's never been in a vaginal canal ever. <laughs> platinum. <laughs> uh, that is the only time I have. Yeah, I've actually. Are never... you a C-section? Call your mother because you could I'm be not, Platinum. No, I'm not. I uh, I've actually never. I don't think I've ever seen a vagina in real life. The night is young. It's, 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 it's 11 a.m. in Los Angeles. <laughs> on Sunset Boulevard, I'm sure Sunset, I can. If you worked at it, you could see a vagina in probably 10 minutes if you got out the, there on the street. In the time it'll take me to get to my car. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I saw a vagina just last week at Hollywood and Vine. Where? Without even trying. Just some person lying down on the street. Naked? Uh, skirt up. Passed out. Wow. Uh, pantyless. What was Kim Cattrall doing on the street? <laughs> <laughs> What's she doing in L.A.? <laughs> I'm not working, obviously. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. 
I'm a big fan. Oh, likewise, Jeffrey Self, writer, performer. He hosts This Is Really Important. It is a podcast, thisisreallyimportant.com. It is really important. Too. Is where you can find his very important podcast. And you can catch his solo show at Akbar in Silver Lake. Please respect my privacy. Tuesday, March 31st, 8 p.m. What's your solo show about? Um, it's actually about I went through a, a really um, – traumatic breakup and i experienced it all on social media by tweeting about it and writing about it on my on tumblr every day and so it's about uh to the point where my ex-boyfriend filed a restraining order against me to get me to stop talking about it in public and so it's about that would you like to talk about your breakup here right now no please don't <laughs> no did, did was it a successful restraining order did no, the judge no, no, no. tell you to no, stop no, tweeting? He, he eventually dropped it but it was really insane and like and deserve it because i was like i just like couldn't stop tweeting about it i had like a full-blown meltdown oh my god it was my first real breakup though my first like real heartbreak how long were you with him three and a half years oh i'm sorry yeah that's fine we're good now and he came to, weirdly he came to see the show <gasps> about the breakup when i did it in new york like, wow crazy and beforehand, I was like, all right, this is going to be weird, but if you want to, sure. And it was so much weirder for me. I bet. Yeah, it was really intense. The show is Please Respect My Privacy to Akbar in Silver Lake, March 31st, 8 p.m. Thank you so much for sitting in. Thanks again. I am 15 male whose question is somewhat related to my sexuality. I have high-functioning autism and anxiety disorder. I've been experiencing states of mind many times more strong than I previously thought were possible. I feel emotional pain that I'm not participating in something sexual. The thing is, my brain tends to think in concepts. I'm not turned on by sex, but more the fact there is a supposed experience in a hypothetical world around sex. I've only just started to pursue these urges recently, but only because the thoughts and physical changes bring both physical and emotional pain, and I thought masturbation might be a means to an end. Masturbation is a chore, the build-up is barely noticeable and somewhat unpleasant, and the, and the end to it just feels like the absence of the barely existent sensations before, then followed by a mild pain. My life I've been confused about my sexuality. Before adolescence, I had two years believing to be gay, but the rest believing to be straight. I know there is not necessarily just the definitive hetero or homosexual, but I don't feel I identify with anything in between or outside of. Since adolescence, I have not had any crushes on anyone, and I've never desired to have a relationship or participate in sexual activities with another. I don't have fantasies of people that I either can or cannot meet. I prefer looking at men in beautiful clothing than I do women naked, but the same goes vice versa. Looking at naked men and women has the same effect. It doesn't increase or decrease arousal, but just maintains it. I'm generally just uncomfortable by, by the idea of sex. Nudity and haughtiness gives me a physical, noticeable sickness in the stomach, even. I genuinely find what feels to be infinitely more joy from eating or researching my interests, and I try to preoccupy myself with those, but because the thoughts are still present and have and do distract you to such an extent where I cannot at all pay any attention to the outside world. It is ruining my school life and my ability to sleep, both of which I struggled with enough as it was. Could you elaborate on what I've said based on knowledge and experience with people with Asperger's or people who are obsessed with sex but cannot feel joy from it? I don't think I want to fix the problem anymore. I just want to understand it. The caller asks me to elaborate on his situation based on my research and my experience uh, with people with Asperger's or on the spectrum, and I have no experience, very little, with people uh, who have Asperger's, and I have done no research. So we're bringing in a guest expert. Stephanie Middleman is a certified sexuality educator. She does trainings uh, with teachers, and she works with clients on the Asperger's spectrum. She's also a professor at McGill and Concordia Universities, where she teaches sexuality and other stuff, and she joins us by phone. Hey, Stephanie, how are you? 
And I'm great, Dan. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for uh, fielding this one with me because I am really at a loss here. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you're bringing this important subject uh, to the public because I think that there's a lot of misconceptions around um, Asperger's and the autism spectrum and certainly how that affects um, sexuality uh, and intimate relationships. So I'm really happy we're talking about this. So how does it affect sexuality and intimate relationships? You know, the, the, the typical sort of layman's understanding of Asperger's or people with Asperger's are on the spectrum have a difficult time reading social cues. And of course, dating, mating, you know, even Tinder requires some mm-hmm. degree of like social intuition or social skill, particularly face-to-face stuff. And people with Asperger's or on the spectrum are at a real disadvantage there. And just setting aside, or we'll get to the caller's particular issues in a moment, what's the standard advice for someone who has Asperger's or has a kid who has Asperger's when they are thinking about how this person is going to date or negotiate any sort of romantic connection? Yeah, this is a really important question and a really big one. Um, but the first thing that I would say is we, we have to go with what the individual wants. In other words, there are lots of people on the spectrum, whether it's Asperger's or somewhere else on the spectrum, which is quite, you know, varied and wide, um, that really want to date and want a partner, and there are some that don't. So I think it's important to go, you know, where the person is and to help them uh, where they are. So in other words, let's not assume that everybody wants, you know, sex or a partner. Um, But for those who do, you're right. The first place that we start is really in the social interactions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the the dating and the the flirting, the initiating, uh, the maintaining, all of this stuff revolves around being able to read the subtleties of someone else's body, uh, someone else's facial expressions, uh, the subtleties in, in language. So it's, it is often these guys and girls that are at a disadvantage because that doesn't come naturally to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's not that they can't do it. It's just most of the time, you know, they may not necessarily be looking for the smaller cues um, to give them information. And then sometimes when they do see them, they may or may not read them correctly. Now, body language and facial expressions, you know, are a hit or miss for most of us, right? So sometimes we're guessing. So, you know, one of the things we want to do is really work with them on what these subtleties look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, I teach my clients um, how to read body language. So I give them cards with different cues about when someone is interested, when, what somebody looks like when they're not interested, these kinds of things. So we're building up their knowledge. Do you encourage your clients to be honest about the disadvantage they're at if they're out there dating and mating? Should people who have Asperger's, if they find themselves in a situation where it feels like it might be flirty, disclose that they have Asperger's and say, I sometimes have a difficulty reading social cues. Are you flirting with me? Maybe, uh, you know, <laughs> I-, I was so bad at picking up on people flirting with me. I-, I don't have Asperger's. I don't think I'm on the spectrum. But I never could tell when someone was flirting with me. And I made a decision in my mid-20s just to start asking people, are you flirting with me? Because I can't tell. And is that a strategy that yeah. people with Asperger's should employ or are encouraged to employ, that sort of radical honesty disclosure in the moment? Yeah, I think a lot of people are, and I think it's helpful. And I think, you know, for this group, they tend to be much more literal 
um, and, and sort of much more black and white. And of course, flirting and all this sort of subtlety falls right into that gray zone, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of them will tell you, like, I had no idea she was interested in me. Um, so I think, you know, being upfront. Now, I'm not saying on a first date, you know, say, hey, I've got Asperger's. I need you to spell, spell this sort of stuff out for me. But certainly to disclose and say, you know, I don't read this stuff so well, you know, uh, be a little bit more straightforward. Can you get to the first date without disclosing? You know, usually there's some flirtation or connection that happens before a first date can possibly happen. How do you get to that first date if you have that disadvantage around social cues and flirting? Well, it it could be difficult. It really can for a lot of people. But but let's be clear, there are, you know, millions of people on the spectrum who are either dating and or in committed relationships. So there are ways around it and certainly those that are successful at it. But often it's just more difficult and more of a challenge and and may not come as naturally as for some other people. Are people with Asperger's ever encouraged to sort of date in their own sort of community? That's a great question. You know, I think for for a lot of people, that's a natural solution um, because because Asperger's and autism really is a different way of seeing the world. Mm-hmm. It's a different way of processing information. So the brain is actually wired differently. So a natural kind of solution would be to meet someone or find someone who thinks like you do uh, in a similar kind of way. Now, that's not always possible. Right. We actually know as well that um, Asperger's or autism is, is three to four times more common, at least diagnosed, more common in males than females. So if you, you know, if you're a straight man looking for a female partner, your pool of candidates, <laughs> you know, is, is, is a little bit smaller. Certainly there's millions of females with Asperger's, but it's not as, you know, large. If you're going to limit um, yourself so to dating only people who also have Asperger's. Let's, let's jump to this caller's problem. Um, we've been talking okay. for a long time and, it, and it's a fascinating subject. But let me give you my read and you can tell me how far up my ass my head is. It seems to me that, you know, he's wondering whether he might be gay or he might be straight or somewhere in between. And I'm getting a really kind of asexual disinterest in in, in sexual activity vibe from masturbation is painful. He doesn't become aroused. He doesn't desire or fantasize in any real way. But he seems to be obsessed about the fact that other people are obsessed with this thing, that sex and and sensuality and and, uh, sexuality and orgasms. And relationships are so hugely important to most other people that he's kind of making this study of sex or has become obsessed with sex because he feels that this is something that he must also want or learn to want. And that's not necessarily true. I want to just jump in for a quick second. So there are three areas of difficulty for those with autism. One is the social apart. One is the communication, verbal and nonverbal. And the third is repetitive interests. Um, in other words, sometimes these guys and girls get stuck on things. And, and as you would say, sort of obsessed, it's kind of like a special interest. Sex is no exception to that. Mm-hmm. So he may be really stuck and really interested in understanding sex um, w- without any real desire to want to have it. And in part, the sexual imagery that is out there just lends to that. I mean, the internet, uh, so much is about porn these days that a lot of these guys and girls, as well as a lot of other guys and girls, are getting stuck on porn. Does he just need to hear that you know, he has permission not to masturbate. He doesn't have to do that, even though most other people do that. That sex, even if sexuality and sexual expression and being sexual himself is off-putting or painful, and yet he's very interested in sex. He can be interested in the topic and explore the topic, and there's a lot to learn about it, 
But that doesn't obligate him to do it. And if doing it is painful and unpleasant, you don't have to do it, but you can be interested in it as uh, a topic. And Yeah, can, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I also want to point out about this whole painful piece. Um, that's not a common kind of thing. I think you and I would, would agree that most of the time people don't report unless there's some sort of physical problem that there's a, um, a pain associated. But those on the spectrum tend to process sensations or, or sensory input a little differently. Mm-hmm. And because the genitals have so much, you know, so many nerve endings and so much sensation to it, um, it may actually be just too much stimulation. Um, and so that may be where his perception of pain is coming in, unless there's a physical problem. I also, I also wonder if he may be on, he says he has anxiety disorder as well. What meds he's on. Yeah. Certain medications really interfere with a person's ability to climax. If they're interfering with his ability to climax, he may be finding he has to masturbate Chasing. for such a long time or with exactly. such intensity that that is painful. And it's not about masturbation oh. being painful, but about the problems the meds are creating for him. And he's only 15 years old. And a lot of people with young children with any sort of disability, physical uh, or, or you know, a, a brain thing, sometimes will treat their children as perpetual children and are very uncomfortable with their children growing into their sexuality. And so he may not have caregivers right now. His parents may not have addressed that with him, may not have explained to him that the meds he's on may interfere with his – his ability to come, his you know, and his, you're right. And so I think he may be misdiagnosing, uh, you know, the problem as masturbation or a disconnect between him and masturbation when the problem is actually a medical, a, a medication issue. It may be, or the other thing that's coming to mind is a function thing because he may be masturbating dry. Um, and especially if he's going at it for a while, maybe nobody talked to him about a lubricant or something there to reduce the friction. Mm-hmm. So sometimes these guys and girls need to be given explicit directions. Uh, and that's one of the things they'll do in the practice is, is to give direction. Uh, sorry to interrupt. We're talking about him in the third person. Let's give him some explicit direction and let's talk right to him. What would you tell him if he had come into your office and laid this problem out for you? So I would say that it's important that that we talk about what parts on your body feel good when they're touched and don't feel good when they're touched. Um, I'd also like to talk about different sensation and pressure, what kind of pressure you like, what kind of pressure you don't like. Um, And I'd also like to talk about the techniques that are being used. So, um, you know, when do you do this? Um, Are you using any kind of lubricant? Um, this kind of thing, and and why you are doing it. So what's the intent? Are you feeling aroused? Um, are you interested in sex in the moment? What what are the thoughts going on in your mind? Mm-hmm. And I also want to know, does he know about ejaculation? Has he ever ejaculated before? Um, what did that feel like? So uh, this is where I would start. And the only thing I would add, and I, I think that's really great, and caller, what I would also want to say to you, and I'm sure... Um, I'm positive Stephanie would say this to you too. If you do these explorations, if you really think about your sexuality, if you experiment and you know give everything a, a try and satisfy your curiosity and you decide at the end of that process that sex just isn't for you and it's not something that you're interested in, it's not something you enjoy, that's fine. You don't have to do it. You can pursue all of your other interests. You can release yourself from some sort of pressure, the, the, the pressure you're putting on yourself, that this is something you have to learn how to do or have to learn how to like. There are people out there who lead 
wonderfully fulfilling lives and have friends and connection and intimacy and family who don't have sex and are not interested in sex and they're not broken and you're not broken either if that's indeed how you are and who you are when it comes to sex. Well said, Dan. Stephanie Middleman. She's a certified sexuality educator, professor at McGill and Concordia Universities in Montreal. Everything you said was really well said to Stephanie, and I hope you'll uh, join us on the show again. It would be my pleasure. Thank you. Hi, Dan. I was calling in response to the caller who didn't realize that her boyfriend grabbing people's genitalia was unacceptable. I wanted to say that your response was spot on and that this also should like go doubly for women. I've definitely had the experience of being at parties with other women who think that because we're all girls, it's totally acceptable to like grab each other's boobs. And like, that's just funny. And it's always made me extremely uncomfortable to the point that I just don't like hang out with those people anymore because I don't want to be in that situation. So if everyone could stop just like touching each other without permission, because they think it's funny in party situations, that'd be awesome. Hi, I am calling uh, because you were talking about the concept of how to ask someone to have a three-way with you. And I think you left out an important tool in the asking process. If I were that dude, I would go up to my male friend and very casually, as if you have zero intentions about asking him anything, or just because you want to maybe seem like you have a problem, go up to the friend and say, so what do you think about the concept of three ways? Do you think like that's a good idea to put into a marriage to spice things up? Just as if it's a general question. And I think that is step one as to how to ascertain whether this dude would be down for a threesome. Because if his answer is, oh, I think that's weird and that squigs him out, you've got your answer. But if he says, oh, I think threesomes are an awesome idea. I've always wanted to have one. There's your in. Hi, I just had a comment for the man who's considering asking one of his friends to have a threesome with him and his wife. I think what he didn't consider is that it's a big compliment just in general. He's saying to his friend, I think you're attractive. My wife thinks you're attractive. We think you have a good sexual energy. That's an awesome compliment. So I think he should do it and not think it's going to be awkward. But if it doesn't work out, then that's a nice compliment he gave to his friend. Um, the same goes in general for anyone asking anyone out on a date. If they say no or you're not their type, it's a nice compliment. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the Savage Lovecast. If you want to record a question or a comment for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Jeffrey Self on Twitter at JeffreySelf. You might want to follow him on Instagram too, also at Jeffrey Self. The Hump Tour is coming to Chicago and Cleveland in April. April 17th and 18th at the Music Box Theater in Chicago's North Side and April 25th at the Cleveland Cinematique. Uh, go to humptour.com for tickets and info about upcoming Hump Tour dates. Hump, of course, is the Pacific Northwest's biggest, best, and only amateur porn film festival curated and hosted by the Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the Tech Savvy at Rescue and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.